0: everyone. My name is
1: Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And
0: welcome to an episode of Make
1: Ours Marvel
0: Mailbag.
1: Once again, we are journeying to the letters and comments and reviews that you have written to us, for us, about us, and with us. With us? No. Sort of. And the show Make Ours Marvel and the comics we've been talking about for the last several months. And I mean a lot of months. Because we're going way back to August of last year, y'all. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: We're a little behind, maybe.
1: <laughs> a little behind. I keep on saying we're going to do this more regularly, and then we keep on getting behind again. So, um, you know what? We love your feedback. And we do. there's a lot more feedback here than there is in my Transformers show. So, I'm just going to oh. enjoy it and enroll in it and read it. Yeah,
0: great. Well, why don't so, you kick us off, then? Why don't you roll oh, on the first one?
1: I will do that. Now, one of our frequent emailers is Tim Price. He mm-hmm. writes a lot of comments on the website. And so a lot of our feedback is going to come from him. And that's cool. If y'all wanted to hear somebody else's name, then you should have written in. We're just going to love Tim's uh, e- uh, comments on the website. So his first comment is on episode 69. <laughs> nice. And he says, Whew, that Howler story was pretty intense. I must admit, I still have trouble telling the Howlers apart, but I think I got it. Fury. Dum Dum, Some Guy, Some Other Guy, Trumpet Guy, Another Guy, and Ned Beatty as Dean Martin from Back to School.
0: That is yeah, exactly I, I, their names as far as I'm concerned. Yep.
1: <laughs> I don't know how y'all can have trouble telling all the generic white people apart. In the story. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I'm getting a little Mustache. better, but...
1: There's, there's mustache guy mm-hmm. and blonde kid. Yep. And um, uh, foxy brunette guy. Yep. And then, of course, Gabe Jones and Dugan and Fury are all really easy to tell visually.
0: Right. And they also exist in the future.
1: And they also exist in the future. We have not seen after the Korean War where we see everybody again. We have not seen the other ones in the future yet. So that's interesting.
0: Just, yeah, Gabe, I guess, right? Sort of. Right. But he's, like, not really shining so far. But anyway.
1: Yeah, he and, well, he and Dugan have really been given much to do. They're both just kind of there mm-hmm. in the Strange Tales stories. Neither one of them is really doing anything right now. Right. So Tim says, yeah, I caught on right away that the mystery villain was Reed. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Is that the Strange Tales?
0: That is Strange uh, Tales number 127. I'm actually pulling this up on my website, or on our website, because it's like... Uh, I don't, episode 69? Because I don't even know what they're talking about otherwise. So, yeah, Strange Tales.
1: That story was ridiculous and yeah. not in a good way. No. That was a pretty... But Reed's costume one. made me laugh. There's a question mark on his face. He's the mystery villain with a question mark on his face. Oh, sweet Aunt Petunia. The Hulk is wearing a mask of the Hulk? <laughs> it's never not funny. <laughs> Doctor Strange vs. Dormammu Part 2 was really good. The twist that Strange winning would have bad ah, repercussions was excellent. Wait, was this story going all the way back then?
0: I think this was the first encounter with Dormammu where he cut the deal. So no, it's not connected oh, necessarily.
1: I would not have been surprised. But
0: it kind of is, isn't
1: it? <laughs> it kind of is. And Ditko's art is amazing. Glad I started following this one. I'll have to go read the previous Doctor Strange issues to catch up. You guys do know you're controlling my Marvel Unlimited app reading habits right now. Yes, yes. I lost all control. We should get a commission. I am proud of this development. We should get a commission. We should. Can they do play- All the money that you earn reading comics, Tim, we want a percent.
0: Do they do playlists on Marvel Unlimited? Because we could create a make ours Marvel one and just like load it up.
1: That's the coolest idea ever.
0: Yeah, but I don't think a they reading? do that. Do they do that?
1: Yeah. No, but a reading list. Yeah. On a comic browser. Yeah. Oh yeah, that'd
0: be so good. I mean, I do that for okay. my personal reading list, but we can't right, share. I've it.
1: got I've got the comic seal app and I just like sort things all the yeah, time when I'm gonna read that day.
0: Totally. But you can't share that with people.
1: No. No. Anyway. Dormammus, Mammu's, Mommy, and Dora Daddy. You guys are hilarious. (laughs) I'll go with it. I don't remember that joke, but I'm happy to have made it.
0: It sounds like you.
1: Spidey strikes back was great. Even the crazy ups and downs with Betty. Peter doesn't care about me, so I'm going to leave him and date someone else. Wait, he's not upset about it? Oh no, have I lost him by (laughs) dating another guy? So yeah, pretty crazy, but it's not over yet by a long shot.
0: No, we're still not over. It finally is over, maybe. Kind of.
1: Yeah, t- tell you that trilogy is the best things to go did on Spider-Man. Yeah, um, those three panels of Jonah when he gets the news, Spidey back. Then when he gets the news that Spidey is back, they were glorious. Do you remember that? He's like big old grin and the guy starts whispering uh-huh. in his ear. Yeah, yep. his face just falls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that bad. was cool. That was very cool. Until the Sandman becomes a good guy and teams up with Spider-Man to fight the Enforcers, make <sighs> mine, make ours, Marvel.
0: What? All right. I dig it. I'd say thank you, Tim, but we're just going to keep doing this. Make ours Marvel, Tim Price. Okay. Do we have uh, mailbag number six? Is that where we're at? Um, August 16th?
1: I think so. I had one other thing up here. I was just going to check the date on real quick.
0: Uh, uh, August 9th. Okay. Go for that. I don't think I have that.
1: Um, August 9th is on the Facebook website. And there's a comment from Shane Anderson on episode 11. So he was listening back way back in the day. Uh going back through the backlog. He says comic book creators like Stan Lee and Jack Kirby appearing in their own work What did I do? I just made this thing disappear. There it is. Um and interacting with the characters goes back to the nineteen forties. Sheldon Mayer appears in All Flash 14, angry that the three dimwits have rearranged his story pages and that the story has already gone to print. Okay. Have you read Golden Age Flash and Met Winkin' Blinkin' and Nod? I have
0: not. I've only read like the origin the original first appearance story.
1: Okay. So the three dimwits, they make one Silver Age appearance and it does not go well. Uh-huh. Um but they were a thing back in the Golden Age. They were comedic Uh, comedy relief and it was not great but that's okay. Alfred Bester appears in a Green Lantern story in Comics Cavalcade number six and directs the story in three different directions sort of an early what if story and interacts with the villains at one point. In the 60s Gil Kane appears on panel and addresses the readers in several issues of Green Lantern. I don't think DC ever tried to make their readers feel like a part of the club in the same way that Marvel did but they did insert real life creators into the comics from Mm -hmm. time to time.
0: Yeah, I've seen him on covers. I've seen, uh, what's his face on a cover? Julius Schwartz? At least one cover. Okay. It was a Superman, um, wasn't uh, it? I don't know. You should know. I don't know.
1: Julius Schwartz on a Superman cover.
0: Isn't that the editor, the big editor that changed everything or something? Or am I getting that name wrong?
1: Uh, well, Superman, I mean, Mort Weisinger had a really big impact on Superman. Whenever Julius Schwartz was doing the rest of DC, Mort was on Superman. Okay, well, maybe then it Julie wasn't Superman. For Superman.
0: I don't know. I swear I've seen him on a cover.
1: Um... There's one more quick comment over on Facebook. Angus Livingstone who has been a supporter of the show ever since the big game out. Uh, he says, great cash this episode about the whole Romanova connection guys. Um, I think the idea that, yeah, cause that was uh, the first black widow and we were comparing it to the woman in the James Bond film.
0: Have you got the Superman number four eleven yet?
1: No. Okay. Spoilers. Okay. So that's the cover you were thinking of. <laughs>
0: that's the cover I was thinking of. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, that's why I haven't read it yet. Cause I yeah. got there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so what's our next uh, Okay thing on the website? Okay,
0: uh, make our smart mailbag. So now we're getting mail about mail. Oh my gosh. This is like, what is that? Anyway, Meta mailbag. Meta mailbag. There you go. Postscript. This is also by Tim Price. Postscript to the mailbag. Yep, I got the sign off joke. Sometimes I can think of one, but sometimes I can't. Or I think of a funny one that didn't happen. But I like too much. So I used it anyway. You don't really want me to tell you which are fake or which are legit, do you? Until FF, <laughs> until FF's mail is delivered by Willie Lumpkin's granddaughter, make mine, make ours Marvel.
1: Well, I'm glad that you're playing along, Tim, even if you sometimes had to make one up. Yeah. Um, I sometimes bend it just a little bit, but yeah, I think from a certain point of view, all of my taglines are future canon. They're all written by Ben Kenobi. <laughs> yes. Um... That was a short one. Do you want the long one? Or Is that like uh, one?
0: Atuma Matata? Mm-hmm. Okay, Atuma Matata, Laugh Snort. And now the song's stuck in my head. Uh, what a wonderful phrase. FF number 33. <laughs> Hold on, let me scroll up really fast. Okay. Yeah, that was a Tuma, duh. FF number thirty-three, ugh, Number thirty-three. I do not get a Tuma's bunny ear helmet look. It's just ridiculous. But I did like the issue overall and got a kick out of Namor never noticing the FF was helping him. Reminds me of the X Men's non-appearance in that Thor issue. Quirky, fun. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was actually kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of quirky, spray on oxygen that Johnny's flame doesn't use up in like a minute. I just can't. What? I just can't. What? okay Avengers number 10 read two years ago since I read Avengers forever when it first came out this issue almost makes sense in hindsight but yeah that's the benefit of a writer years later trying to fit these pieces together are you as you both have said repeatedly they weren't written to be analyzed by a nerd like me 50 plus years later yeah but that's what makes comics fun sometimes is over analyzing and making it work but
1: it's, it's kind of the heart of shows like Jay and Miles explain the X-Men. It's like taking all these disparate pieces mm-hmm. that don't work and finding ways to see how they might.
0: There are certain writers that like excel at that, too. And I always kind of appreciate those guys for some reason.
1: I like when, you know, Roy Thomas in the Bronze Age, his move was to revive Golden Age stuff and tie old continuity and new continuity mm-hmm. together. And I, I eat that stuff like cake.
0: Thomas is good. Music is good. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of some other people. But, yeah, like those guys that just lived and breathed this stuff as kids and, like, figured out how to make it work somehow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Making Rick Jones an Avenger just like the Wasp. Oh, my God. That's bad. Yes.
1: yes. Do you think be- Rick Jones is ever going to lead the Avengers just like the Wasp? No. He's not. Shh, no.
0: It's crazy. He's going to be a f- it's crazy how hella powerful Enchantress is to just turn back time and Thor stop time and owner put everyone on Earth into limbo. It's either insane or giving me new respect for the Asgardians overall. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, it's like is, if they're that powerful, how is anything ever a problem? It's a Superman problem, right? I mean, if he's that powerful, how is he ever encounter difficulty? So you have to like pretend that you didn't actually do that story that one time.
0: They basically just weren't thinking ahead. There was a bunch of these issues really early on where it's like, I'll just pray to Odin and he'll solve all my problems. It's like, yeah, but you're just opening up a can of worms because now some dork like me
1: is going to ask why you don't do that all the time. Well, then Odin's like, I'm not going to help you because I'm mad right now. So (laughs) Thor just like stops asking.
0: Oh, yeah. Suspense number 60, reading along, starting when Cap joined. That's a good start. For a fairly cliche femme fatale introduction, Black Widow's arc is fascinating to see. But geez, Hawkeye, is she that pretty? Come on, dude. And now I need to reread... His appearances in Untold Tales of Spider Man intersecting this period. Yeah, I agree. I've totally read some Hawkeye Origins, but it was so long ago. I can't remember how or if it did or did not intersect well with the stuff we're reading on the show. It always seems like it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Seems like it doesn't, but I could be wrong.
1: Yeah, I it's a pretty simple premise. It shouldn't be hard to like fill in some gaps that work. Mm-hmm. But you know.
0: And I keep forgetting the difference between trick shot and swordsman, or if there is a difference, or what all that's about. Seemed like they're the exact same character somehow. Uh, too bad Tony's car doesn't have a Tony tracker to go with his Iron Man tracker. Then Pepper and Happy could find Tony in no time. <laughs> Cap fights if only and Cap fights the assassins. Oh, but remember, don't kill Cap, just capture him. Zemo, you named him the Assassins, not the Abductors, or the Ask politely to come along and <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Rick stays in the back room for schoolwork. What school is Rick going to? How is he fitting it in with flying between New Mexico and New York, looking for hulks in all the wrong places, training with Cap? I call shenanigans.
1: That's a good point. I completely forgot there was a schoolwork line. I'm not even sure if I ever noticed.
0: They have never talked about him going to school on the Hulk at all, have they? No. He had an aunt or something that he lived with once for five seconds? In issue
1: th- issue three, he went and stayed with an aunt. Yeah. Um, so he could sleep while his brain was tied to the Hulk. And he, his friends told him to go hang out in the bomb zone. And he has the Teen Brigade. I mean, Rick Jones does not have a life outside of sidekicking.
0: Uh, no super soldier serum. Wow, I lost track of that. Good call. It's always implied that it was in the original Cap first appearance in the 40s. Time for some educating. Uh, until Hawkeye falls in love and marries a secret agent, make mine, make ours marvel. What? What?
1: He does what? And it's not Natasha?
0: It could be Natasha. He didn't say it wasn't Natasha.
1: Yeah, but you know.
0: Yeah. I know.
1: Okay, so thank you, Tim. There's an email from Blaine Dowler. All right. Who has been on the show a couple times before. Yes, hey, Blaine.
0: For Daredevil and Fantastic Four.
1: His email is entitled Relationship Pacing in the Nineteen Sixties. Hi guys. And Blaine has recently gotten married, so he knows about relationships. Yes.
0: No, he doesn't. Try ten years, buddy. Then get back to me.
1: <laughs> there have been a few times in which you guys wondered about the way relationships were written in the 60s. I asked some older relatives and found out that there is a greater foundation in reality than any of us anticipated. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> in fact, in one recent episode, you thought that uh-huh. a couple were engaged in the art, but not in the script because a woman threw away a ring. Well, according to some of the relatives who grew up in more conservative communities, socially acceptable dating involved the following steps. One, the boy sees the girl he is interested in. Two, the boy talks to the girl's father and confirms that he intends to marry her. You there? Yes. Awesome. Went out for my uh, second. We'll we'll just keep that second in there and keep on going. Um, He confirms with the father that he intends to marry the daughter, not by immediately getting engaged, but more as a coded message that says, our clothes will stay on until the wedding night. Number three. This is so crazy. If the father approves... The boy then takes the girl on the date. I asked for clarification. The girl did not generally have any say in this first date. Well, if why should she? If either the boy or girl did not enjoy themselves, the relationship would end. But if they want to see each other again, they go to step four. Yeah, mm. why would she have a say whether or not she gets taken out by a guy? Yeah, night? what does that have to do with her? Nope. Number four, the boy next needs to give the girl a promise ring. It's not an engagement ring, but a promise that one day he will give her an engagement ring which may have been the ring the girl threw away in the comic. Ah, yeah. I know about promise rings, but I didn't... Mm -hmm. Whenever I was younger, they were like a a leftover relic, and so like promise rings were something that some people did, but always seemed kind of silly and superfluous.
0: It's like an engagement ring that you can give when you're underage, basically.
1: That's a good way to describe it. as an underage engagement ring.
0: Yeah, when you're trying to play grown-up, but you're not a grown-up yet.
1: If things continue to go well, then three to six months later, the promise ring is expected to become an engagement ring. And from here, things progress pretty much as they do today. You get pregnant, then you get married. Mm -hmm. That's not Blaine, that's me. Mm. So this behavior was growing (laughs) out of fashion in the 60s. But in the 60s, Stan Lee was in his 40s. So he was probably writing this way because that's what he expected based on how he had courted his wife a couple of decades earlier. So that actually makes some sense. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, that last bit probably makes a lot of it make sense. Stanley uh-huh. is not writing 60s dating. Stanley is writing his memories of 40s dating in the 60s.
0: And he's also writing for kids. So it's not like he was trying to be like, uh, I don't know, Matt Salinger or something and be all deep and hip and, and you know, dramatic or anything. Nothing he's too scary that- or adult. Right.
1: So thank you, Blaine. That does help shed some light. We have... Um, Just recently recorded episode 111, where we are continuing to wonder about relationship dynamics. So um, you will hear us continue to think about that until – but 112 forward, we should be able to take this into account.
0: All right. Follow the leader? Sure. Uh, Tim Price again. Thor number 111. Look, see, now i got to scroll up again. I keep forgetting. What's Thor 111 look like? We just did episode 111. That's got – I don't know what it is. Oh, that's – Mr. Hyde. Okay. Your take on Loki not delivering the message to get Jane's curse was spot on. Of course, Lodo. your Huh? Cure or was spot yeah. on. Of course, Lodo. Your wish is my command. Oh, but you didn't say Simon says. Neater, neater. But I must say, that was some seriously good drama for Thor himself. There might have been all five stages of grief in this story leading up to acceptance when he drops the wibbly-wobbly, timely wimmy stasis time vortex what the what, I was generally moved. Oh, that's the one where he, like, is fighting them in the house that's stuck in time or whatever.
1: Right, because Jane's going to die.
0: Yeah. Astonishing number 63, Jan did stuff. Hooray. Is that the last time? And the villain was so impressed, he attacked her with bug spray. Oh, boy. I mean, I agree spraying with toxic chemicals at her size would take her out, but for Jan to have a kryptonite-like reaction, oh, help me, Hank, (laughs) to the punch out of the moment. Took the punch out of yeah. the moment. Yeah, just Just return to normal size and punch him or something. Okay. Okay. The Hulk is strong enough to kick his legs up when he's falling, swoop into an arc, and fly up. I was going to say, that ain't how the physics works. But then I realized, you know when you startle a cat and it springs into midair and twists into random directions and bolts out of there? That's what happened here. Cats and the Hulk can defy gravity. All there is to it, the incredible Hulk cat. Daredevil number wow. five. Yeah, right. Daredevil number five, the Matador. I'm not reading this issue. I know, I know. But this issue, not exactly Sally B. However, props to you guys for noting Hornhead fighting a Matador. Love that. Until That's As- really, you, you yeah. did that. Did I? I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Until us Guardian Powered Thug and his crew carry on the proud tradition of The Wrecker, make mine, make ours Marvel.
1: All right. Hmm. As Guardian Powered Thug, I wonder who that could be. Oh, it's the Wrecker. That's the Wrecker. Uh, all right. So we've um, got another one from Mr. Price for episode 72, Captain America Goes to War. Sergeant Fury 13. Sure didn't take long from the modern return of Captain America to have him appearing in a World War II comic. And nowadays, <laughs> most yeah. World War II Cap stories have Fury and the Howler's as guest stars. Yeah. Not that I'm complaining, because I think this story was handled really well. Fury not knowing Private Rogers makes this sound like a lot of fun, letting its readers in on the joke. Yeah, <laughs> that was a cool part. drinking tea with his pinky out. <laughs> yeah. That was one of our favorite Sergeant Furies.
0: That's by far my favorite one so far, but it could be a biased thing. But it was good. Well, the
1: the Fury stuff was good in it, too. In that, yeah, And the stuff with the holly and the tea and...
0: And that was also yeah. Jack Kirby's last. He came back for that issue and then left again. Mm-hmm. So it was like kind of, wow, cool Jack Kirby art and good story. Cool guest star. It's great.
1: Amazing Spider-Man 20. Spidey says it's some nut in a scorpion costume. You know what color I identify with scorpions? Not green. Uh, yep. Yeah. Honestly, there's nothing about his costume that says I'm a scorpion, except for the tail arching over his head. I'm pretty sure we complained about that. And even that looks more like a ticker tail.
0: It does. It's not even got a point on it. It's like round, clubby.
1: Let's see. Also, there's no claws, just four limbs plus a tail and no stinger. Honestly, if the book didn't tell me this guy was named the Scorpion, I wouldn't have guessed that in a million years. All I come up with is green Michelin man <laughs> with a tail. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: Like I said, I think that's probably Ditko's worst design he's done. Which isn't hard because I mean most of the stuff he's done is awesome. So,
1: right. He's also got those like really weird black things that stick out of his costume down the sides. I don't know what those are. Mm, yeah. And see, I went from that was the last issue in my in my paperback collections. I went mm. from there to the Powerless trilogy and Amazing Spider Man three forty one to three forty three and Eric Larson's Scorpion, which was awesome. Yeah, because that does have like a big old stinger on the tail. Yeah,
0: you're yeah. right. It does. I remember that.
1: And all you need for a stinger is the tail sticking over your head with a stinger on it. Right. His tail doesn't reach over his head in that Ditko issue.
0: No. They've they've actually altered him quite a bit as time goes on. Like now, a lot of times I see in cartoons, he looks legit like a scorpion almost with the legs and everything too. And he's got like claws and...
1: But you know what? I've always loved the Scorpion. He's a great match for Spidey without being identical. Not a dark reflection. Maybe a dirty mirror reflection. I guess so, because they're both arachnids. Yeah. And a great issue to boot. Jonah goes too far, has remorse, but doesn't learn the right lesson. (laughs) It's good stuff. Yeah. Tales of Suspense 61. So Tony can't remove the armor, including the pants, because he needs the external pods. So how... Does he go to the bathroom? Um,
0: Have you not seen Iron Man 2? Come on. Like this. And then he just goes.
1: He just goes. But he does ask, is that why there are uh, horizontal segments, the bands in his trunks? Does he like... It's not an artistic flourish. There are little zippers so Tony can bring out his little Stark. Could be. (laughs) But Tim's like, oh, I don't want to think about that. Oh, and also Tony has to protect his secret identity so his employees and loved ones will not be attacked by Iron Man's enemies. So what happens? The Mandarin attacks Tony, not Iron Man. The Mandarin attacks Tony Stark. Thus immediately nullify the argument right there. But is that the point? Was Stan deliberately poking fun of the superhero secret identity trope? I don't think so, because it should have led to Iron Man going public back then. Just an interesting thought. Also, okay, Tim, also, valid point. Tony Stark's getting attacked. Happy and Pepper work in the factory. Why do half of Iron Man's bad guys attack? his factory, his offices, his business. Well, so he's not protecting them.
0: And Iron Man is directly associated with Tony Stark all the time as his personal bodyguard. So it's really the worst secret identity ever. It how really you, is. How do you get to Iron Man? Go through Tony and his people. Which is the same problem with you decide that Clark Kent is really best friends with Superman and Peter Parker knows Spider-Man personally. Like you're just you're just ruining the whole point of your secret identity, basically.
1: Right. You're the guy who is the best one to know how to get in touch with these guys?
0: Yes. So let me kill you and your friends.
1: <laughs> Agreed. Not um, not great logic there. Um, Cap fighting a Samoa wrestler. It was pretty cool. And what I expect from a comic book Samoa guy. But considering in the very first Ultimate Fighter Championship, which I saw with my Taekwondo friends, the hook was having guys from all sorts of disciplines matched up. The first two is a Samo versus a Savat kickboxer, which is Match the Leapers' uh,
0: thing, yeah,
1: martial art. The Samo just charges, Savat skedushes out of the way. Samo runs into the ropes and turns around as Savat does a jump roundhouse kick to Samoa's face, and a tooth goes flying out. So Samo lost right there. Yes, I know the comic versions are not intended to be realistic, but it makes it hard to take big guys who are still just humans seriously when they're fighting a skilled, strong, fast opponent like Cap.
0: I don't know if I get what he's saying there. But
1: He's saying that the Savat guy took out the Samoa really, really quickly and easily. Because mm-hmm. all the Samoa could do was just like charge. He doesn't oh. really have like maneuverability. Oh, in the movie?
0: In this thing he's talking about? Ultimate Fighter Championship? Yeah. Okay. But well, I thought the so Samoa wrestler really in the comic was like some superpowered dude, no?
1: I mean, I maybe.
0: I don't remember. I thought he was like extremely strong for some reason.
1: He could have been. But still, it's like a Samoa wrestler. Yeah, that's true. That could have been a more interesting villain. Besides that, the issue is okay, honest. I see them trying to set up Cap as an amazing fighter and are working to find the hook for the stories to tell. I'm really interested in seeing more about Mandarin, especially his beef with Stark, so keep them coming. Until Spidey's foes all notice their shared color choice and rebrand themselves as the Green Team, make mine, make ours Marvel.
0: Not just Spidey. Every freaking villain is green. Yeah. Um... And I'm sorry about Mandarin because we still don't know anything about him, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, does whatever a robot can is that the next one? Yeah. Okay. By Dan Doherty. By Dan Doherty. Okay. On uh, we're on April August 30th now. April that would be really bad. Uh, when you guys were discussing the whole it can only be my old arch enemy fell in the blank trope, I was immediately reminded of an episode of Freakazoid where they did a spoof of Johnny Quest called Toby Danger. And the one quote that was always stuck with me was this, and shoot, I didn't really prepare because he sent a link, and now we have to watch this, and I don't know if, oh, here it is. It's a
1: six-second video.
0: I knew it. It, I don't know if you could hear that, probably not, but it's somebody saying, dun, dun, dun. I knew it. It's some guy in a helmet. (laughs) Yeah, basically. I like that. Basically, yeah. It's like, how could it be this guy all the time? How do you know who it is all the time? That's kind of fun.
1: It's some guy in a helmet.
0: Oh. Oh, that's a different one. Different does whatever a robot can.
1: Uh, yeah, different does whatever a robot can. Um, do you want to do two in a row or should I do this one?
0: Okay, Tim Price, August 31st. What is going on here? An enjoyable Strange Tales issue? Disappointing Avengers and FF issue? Did I jump to the Star Trek mirror, mirror universe without realizing? Quick, John and Michael, do you have goatees and mustaches? Actually, I think you do. It's
1: not a goatee. I do have a mustache and beard now.
0: You do definitely have a mirror, mirror look going on.
1: Uh, I can't. I can't grow it on the sides of my face. It only grows on the bottom of my head.
0: You're like the anti-Wolverine.
1: Like, uh,
0: strange tales. Ben and Johnny versus Wanda and Pietro. You guys called it the last place to go for thoughtful guidance. Are knuckleheads, Ben and Johnny. But there's definitely some fault from the Maximoffs. Maybe they lost all of their people skills from working with Magneto and Fending off Toad and Mastermind. Yeesh. But this story is a surprising gem in the Maximoffs. Maximoffs arc towards becoming Avengers. So that's awesome. It almost makes it seem like there is a plan, but I really doubt Stan and company work storylines that far out. They would today, but wasn't it more month to month back then? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think so. However, it does seem like they're setting up an eventual turn for Wanda and Pietro, even if a specified direction wasn't spelled out. Yeah, I think even in the X-Men, it felt like they didn't want to be there. So that wasn't going to last very long. Mm-hmm. but i'm kind of surprised they took him out of the x-men but we've talked about that before uh dr strange versus demon wizard guy something meh nice that strange has his definitive look at last but meh i don't even remember demon wizard guy
1: well it's funny because demon wizard guy is one of the people working with baron Mordo in our current story oh,
0: well there you go demon wizard guy played by uh, remember the
1: three people who left a bomb in his in his thing yes One One of those was the mysterious person. Mm -hmm. One of them was the mustache guy named Kaecilius we've seen a few times. Mm -hmm. And the third one was the demon.
0: Okay. Kaecilius was the main bad guy in the movie. Exactly. Played by Brad Pitt or something. Okay. Avengers versus Spider-Man. Ugh. No, I did not like this one. No, not even Mm -hmm. a little. (laughs) There's times when it's crazy things happen in these older stories to make fun of, but this this one is just maddening. So no, enough said. Yeah, that was a real stinker. Uh, FF versus Richie Rich. I mean, Daddy Warbucks. I mean, oh, who cares? I remember that one too. Yes, this story has been done before with the FF and better, but the team is just so dumb, this whole issue. They don't ask questions. They just react and look terrible in the process. We're supposed to be on the FF side, but why do they gots to be so dumb? Still Agreed. Still waiting to see if John and Michael have mirror facial hair. I I have like a day's growth. I didn't shave today, but it's not anything because I can't grow facial hair either.
1: Well, I have learned that head hair all basically grows at the same pace. Mm-hmm. It's just the ones on your face are more noticeable. Okay. So like the, my beard and my top of my head hair are the same length, but it's sticking straight down from my chin versus like brushed back on my head.
0: Because mm, you started up from scratch bald everywhere or what?
1: Exactly. Okay. I used to, I used to um, clipper my hair uh-huh. down to super short. Not to the scalp, but like as short as the clippers can go. Yeah. Um, and I shaved it all one time in early October, and that was the last time.
0: Uh, I guess that's more than enough. Until a new Gideon appears and fights an entire super team in his hot tub, make mine, make ours marvel, unless this is the Mirror Universe.
1: <laughs> um, I don't want a new Gideon. To fight everybody in his hot tub. That's exactly what I don't ask for sometimes.
0: Yeah, I'm cool with skipping that.
1: It sounds like the sort of thing that might happen way after our podcast ends.
0: (laughs) Maybe that will be why our podcast ends.
1: (laughs) In episode 100. (laughs) Okay, next one from Tim. I'll do the next couple because this first one's short. Okay. Uh, This one's on the X-Men Origins Wolverine not comic special. Mm -hmm. Wait, the posters and DVD box art actually has an X cut into Logan's shirt. Really? That's terrible and hilarious. I don't think I've
0: ever noticed that. I am looking at it right now. It does. It has a cut. Probably Sabretooth cut it.
1: One of the downsides of being a cord cutter is I don't have channels that are just playing movies like this. I had to make a concerted effort to watch them again and not really inclined to. I did see it once and my take was very meh. But hearing your discussion has almost swayed me to rewatch it. Oh, man. Just to see if I can appreciate the same things you all did. Hmm. A fun discussion as always. Looking forward to your coverage of first class.
0: Yeah, I like that movie. I liked all the Wolverine solo movies though. So I don't know. Take it or leave it. They had problems, I, but I liked them.
1: They have problems, but there's there's fun stuff in Origins Wolverine. Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of good um, stuff. Just some it's just, just as all the other ones, they kind of just tank in the end, but they're good throughout.
1: And they there are weird choices sprinkled throughout. Uh-huh. But you know. Yeah. Um, okay, Tim refers to episode 74, Puny God. Thor 112, wow. An issue devoted to expanding a small moment from another comic, namely the Avengers 3 Hulk Thor fight. Oh my gosh. When we did this episode, the Avengers 3 Hulk Thor fight felt so long ago, and now this episode feels so long ago. It is. I had no idea this was done so early in Marvel. A later favorite of mine in this style was Thor 383, retelling a three-page fight in secret wars between all of the villains and Thor. Amazing to see in the olden days. I think I knew that existed, but I don't think I've ever read it. Um, I don't know if I even knew that. But is it in a Simonson run? I'm
0: ashamed to say I have not read any Simonson Thor, so I
1: don't know. Okay, I've read most of Simonson Thor. I could swear at one point during the Loki story I heard Lucky... Now I want Loki to adopt a Labrador puppy with that name.
0: (gasps) Loki and his dog Lucky?
1: Yes. Go
0: visit Lockjaw?
1: Loki, Lucky, and Locky. (laughs) (laughs) Time to finish my next plan to destroy Thor. Wait, what's this on my cauldron? No, Lucky. Bad familiar. (laughs) Lucky is never bad. Lucky is a good boy. X-Men 9. Yep, super team's got to be fighting. No time to explain. We can handle it. We're better equipped. We'll handle it. No, we will. No, you're bozos. You stink. Ah, Teamwork. Marvel. (laughs) Okay, so I've recently started reading Normal Man. Uh Uh-huh. Which is uh, early Jim Valentino in the early 80s. It's from the same uh, comedy who published Cerebus. Okay. Which I guess is what they refer to as underground comics. I didn't really know it was underground, but yeah. Um, And it is all about making fun of fight scenes and making fun of superhero tropes, cool. especially Marvel superhero tropes, but not just Marvel. Uh-huh. It definitely feels like the kind of comic that not-brand-Eck wanted to be.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And uh, and yeah. That's um, definitely a trope. The, the whole fight scene for no reason just because two heroes have met mm-hmm. is something that happens in that book a lot. Oh, yeah. The least they could have done with Lucifer is to, is not use him, is to tie him to <laughs> Magneto with the... <laughs> Because he and Magneto share a color scheme, but no, his only other appearance I remember is in West Coast Avengers and has nothing to do with Professor X, and Lucifer's involvement in that story is hardly acknowledged. I agree, John, completely insignificant.
0: Except it puts him in a wheelchair.
1: Right, but like, Uh, the cause of the wheelchair doesn't matter, and it should. Apparently does not. We all Mm. know
0: that juggernaut car crash is the real reason. I don't care what those captions said.
1: We also learned tonight that Kazar's origin doesn't matter either. So
0: For sure. It's just ripped off.
1: Tales to Astonish 64. Jan gives a message to an ant, and the story says that the ant delivers it to Hank. Now that the message is passed along, this ant travels across the ocean to personally tell Hank. So that ant and Rick Jones have the same travel agent. Where do <laughs> I sign up?
0: There's definitely something going on there.
1: Wow. I don't think we realized in that story that they were across oceans. That the yeah, yeah. That's amazing. What was and that issue? Of
0: that Tales ant. of 64. Oh, yeah. With a Tuma and all that.
1: Yeah. That yeah. ant was a really hard worker. Yeah.
0: They're all pretty good. Those ants like, did a lot of work for him when he was Ant-Man. That was kind of
1: crazy. I'm proud of you, Dave. Um, the Hulk, the only comic book soap opera. I did a triple take when I read that. Are you kidding me? These stories are just as ongoing as Iron Man's, with him stuck in the armor, and Spider-Man's continual problems in school with money and girls and uh. Yeah, huh? that was the weirdest caption.
0: Oh. He doesn't like Spider-Man's continual problems with schools and money and girls and uh,
1: so No, that's no. What... The, the the Hulk comic called the Hulk the only comic book soap opera. Uh-huh. And he's like, no, no, no. There's so much else going on in other books that is also soap opera-y.
0: Oh, yeah. And in fact, Hulk probably isn't that soap opera-y.
1: No, I mean, the only thing it's got going for it is the um, cliffhangers and the fact that it's one continual story, like a soap opera, but... Yeah.
0: uh, I mean, who's Betty? Who's Bruce? We don't know. Anyway.
1: All the soapy stuff in soap operas is not there.
0: It'd be a better book if it was.
1: Until Professor X's action chair replaces him as... (laughs) Until his chair replaces him as leader of the X-Men, Make mine, Make ours, Marvel...
0: That's real. That's got to be real. I don't even know
1: anymore. I'm know so confused. My life. That's right the now. sad
0: part. Is legitimately they could be real. Maybe it got AI or something.
1: I Realized I have not. I have not been checking the email inbox to see if we've missed any emails. So I'm cruising over there now. Hey, we have not. The next one is uh, the 17th. So we're good.
0: Okay. Sound issues. Sure. The next one by uh, from I don't know how to pronounce that. Yasin. Wait. Is that who? I don't have a sound issues. Oh, that's a. Direct email, Y A C I N E. I'm sorry if I botched that name, but uh oh, this one's like actually more of a technical issue, but I will want to address it. But it says, "Hi, I think there are some issues with the MP3 file of website. There's no opening theme. Oh, never mind. This was definitely behind the scenes. Yeah, this, I
1: didn't leave those marked unread because I realized we addressed it. Anyway,
0: someone was complaining that we messed up and we fixed it, so that's a good one.
1: Yeah, notifying us. Someone was notifying us so we messed up. I fixed it. Yes, we appreciate being
0: told. Absolutely. Because otherwise, it'll just go on forever like that.
1: <laughs> um, so, yeah, the next thing I have is that uh, the next Tim Price comment
0: Baron Strucker's Blitz Quad. Blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Baron Yucker and his Yuck. Screak squad not exactly winning me over to read sergeant fury hearing your discussion of it is plenty for me here's hoping the next issue is better avengers number 12 my high point was the wasp being acknowledged as chairperson for the issue the rest of it completely forgettable but just making a point of giving jan her turn to the chair for the team was huge it doesn't make up for the low points, of course, but it'd be equally remiss to gloss over how atypical this was for the time. And there's no way Stan and Company could have known what would happen in just over 200 issues, as if they even thought the comic would still exist in 200 issues. What was Avengers 12 anyway?
1: Uh, um, is that the one where Jan gets like brutally injured or something?
0: Oh, that's a Mole Man one. That's why. Yeah,
1: that was bad. Oh, yeah, the that was bad.
0: The Mandarin's origin. Wasn't this supposed to explain why he targeted Tony Stark? Because I didn't see a squad about that. Just he was raised to hate everything? Does he hate succeeding? He must, since attacking Stark brought Iron Man to China just in time to ruin his plan. Like you said, Michael, if these villains just didn't attack people, their plans would succeed. I don't remember. I, did we even notice that he attacked Tony and not Iron Man, and there was no reason why, or was there a reason? I don't even remember.
1: Yeah, I don't think. I don't think we put together the connection between the two issues. Is like he had this big reason to attack Tony Stark. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that that was definitely a ball dropped by the writers, and a ball dropped by us, the podcasters.
0: I think the rings are kind of sort of explained in 300 issues. You'll get there in no time. Okay. Wow. Well, I'm glad they're explained by somebody someday because. Otherwise, that'd really drive me bonkers.
1: Uh, well, now, 300 issues, is that like Iron Man 300? Yeah, I think that's or what he's saying. Or is it the suspense issue plus 300, which is like would make it like 360 or 370?
0: Oh, that's even worse then, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: I just went to Wikipedia and looked it up.
0: So I know, I do remember they actually do define it at some point. But when that happens, I don't know. Cap in prison. Ah, the old gum wrapper and the lock trick. Except Cap hasn't chewed gum in his life. I mean, really, I'm trying to picture Cap talking while chewing gum, or blowing a bubble while training Rick. No. it just no. So that just means one thing. Cap collects gum wrappers. Darn litter bugs? That's just un-American. And I am Captain America. You know what? I'm going to no-prize this right now. Okay. Captain America is a baseball fan. (gasps) Captain America is a Brooklyn Dodgers fan when he grew up. And I'm not saying the Brooklyn Dodgers were around anymore by 1964, but maybe he was still buying baseball cards or something, or he just bought a pack because he thought it was cool.
1: But isn't that gum like unwrapped? Dang it. It
0: is. I can't no prize this. And you know what else? I don't think they really had baseball cards when he was growing up, so he probably didn't care
1: about that that much. Oh, wow. Uh, I just ruined your entire life. I'm sorry.
0: Maybe the wrapper was baseball card wrapper. They were wrapped in wax. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it was did they specifically say it was chewing gum wrapper or just a wrapper? I don't know. Yeah, that doesn't work. Okay, finally realized how Rick gets around so much. Clones. Rick clones. Ha ha. Hello? Is this thing on?
1: We'll have to ask the ja- the uh, jackal about that when he shows up. Until the next- Wait, 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 wait. I get it. Rick Jones. Rick clones. Rick clones. Yes.
0: Until the Mandarin trades in his robes for a swimsuit, make mine make ours marvel. That one is probably not-
1: Is he going to go all Abs-Lantis on us?
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Rick Jones probably is a clone because he's probably a clone of Bucky or something because they all just look alike.
1: I've seen that all clones look alike. So racist. Well, you know how Steve was like Bucky? Is that
0: you? Because he literally looks exactly like Bucky. So maybe there's just lots of Ricks. They're
1: clones. They look alike by definition. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to take the next couple because the email is short and then I have a Facebook thing. Okay. Um, Actually, that's a lie. The, The Facebook thing is later. Okay, John Morrissey. Episode 75's Oversight. Greetings. I cannot believe it. I cannot believe you neglected to comment on what might be the most infamous splash page in the history of Marvel Comics. What? Do yourself a favor and take another look at the splash page of Tales of Suspense 62. Okay, I'm
0: looking. If I can find it. 58. 59. Oh, come on. This is really hard. Sixty. 62. Okay, what splash page? Like the opening splash
1: page of Iron Man? I guess the the Iron Man splash page. Okay, go ahead. What? What am I looking for? He says, what do you see? Iron Man, trapped by the Mandarin, Mm -hmm. tied to a terrifying wheel of death. I'm seeing that. But Tony is not concerned because he is fully protected by his amazing suit of armor, Mm -hmm. a suit that seems to include an iron condom.
0: Oh, gosh. Does it? Well, it's really his foot? But I have never unseen that now.
1: Okay, i had to look this up then. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. a perspective
0: thing. Like his foot is sticking out, but it's a bird's eye view. So it looks like it's something else sticking out of his crotch. I love it. That's Now we have to mark this adult. Eh. No, we don't. I'm just Whatever. kidding. But that's that's awkward. Wow. No, I did not notice it. I didn't see it that way because I don't have a disgusting mind like Jim Morrissey. But
1: now I do. John, John Morrissey. Now I do. Now I do. Well, uh, until Tony Stark stops wearing iron protection.
0: <laughs> God,
1: <laughs> is that an okay. is
0: that like an infamous thing that like people know about and make fun of all the time? And I've just never heard of
1: that before. I had never heard about it before, so I was unaware. But I am I'm am here Yikes.
0: for it. That's called an unfortunate tangent in the artist biz- in the uh, drawing business. But
1: uh, well, his next email praises you, so I get to read that. All out. right, I take it. Bring it on. Michael takes the crown in episode 75. I hate to break it to you, John, but even though you were your usual interesting and entertaining self during episode 75, thank you, thank you, Michael was the star of the show. What were Michael's highlights? First was his incredibly succinct and comprehensive review of the Captain America story in Tales of Suspense 62. In case your listeners don't remember the issue, it featured a tale of Captain America trying to stop a jailbreak. The inmates intended to use Cap's magnetic shield to open the magnetic locks on the door of the jail. After summarizing the less than impressive events of the tale, Michael concluded his synopsis with this classic statement. Bonkers. Bonkers. (laughs) What the heck happened? Bonkers. I don't understand this one. A Michael Kaiser classic.
0: I I believe that's something I've said before and
1: since. But it didn't stop there. The episode ended with Michael's enthusiastically positive reactions to the many MCU announcements from Comic-Con and D23 as read by John. Michael's optimism and enthusiasm for Phase 4 of the MCU was an inspiration. Thanks, Michael. The bar has been raised. Now it's time to top yourself.
0: Oh, boy. No pressure. That sounds kinky. Yeah, how unusually positive I was.
1: Until Ben Grimm says bonkers, bonkers, what the heck happened? Bonkers, I don't understand this one. I'll sue him. Make Ours Marvel, John. Cool. Should sue him. He's the ever loving blue eyed thing.
0: I would I wouldn't. I'd let him say anything that I've said whenever he wants to, because he's cool.
1: Do you want to read the next email? Because it predates the next comment.
0: All right. Fantastic four number thirty five, also by John Morrissey. Greetings, great guys. I know nothing about nothing, but I'd like to share a suspicion with you to see if I'm on to something or if, instead, I'm just on something. Uh If FF number 35 – oh, man, we are going to do this again. Page 14, panel 1, I think an art editor may have switched Reed for Sue and vice versa after Jack Kirby finished drawing the panel. Why do I suspect that Reed and Sue had their heads swapped? Well, let's consider Sue first. Her left arm seems to be stretching – and she seems to lack a bosom. Could someone have erased Reed's head on his body and replaced it with Sue's while making the hands more delicate as well? I don't know. FF35.
1: I'm going there now. Fantastic Four.
0: Page what? Page 14,
1: panel one. Mm Mm-hmm. Page 14, panel... Ooh. You beat me to it. Does it look like he has a point?
0: Oh, I mean, her arm does look a little weird i guess there's like stretchy kirby lines on it
1: mm-hmm.
0: well, i don't know if it's like i don't know if it's possible to say with any certainty why would they do that yeah i don't know
1: okay i'm finally there now okay her arm is a little weird well her right hand is in, is covering her bosom chest mm-hmm. yeah so because
0: they don't make her they don't accentuate her uh over the top at this point, anyway, in her history. so Yeah,
1: yeah, that's, that's not a art trope in the 60s. Yeah,
0: so that could be a bosom, or it could be Pex, I guess, because her, her hand's in the way.
1: I can see the arm looks weird enough. That I can see why you might think that, but I just don't think the rest of it suggests it. So, I, John, I think on something might be the right answer. Especially if like.
0: you're saying swap, because that means that the booty that, that we're looking at, that's bent over picking up a rock, is supposed to be Sue's, and it really looks more like a square-butted reed to me, but... Well, he goes on to talk about Reed. Okay, let's talk about Reed. As for Reed, I can see the left leg of a bystander through Reed's left leg. Since when can he become invisible? Oh, that's a good point. I do see that, what he's talking about. Or is that just an unfortunate tangent in his boot? That's what it is. There's another unfortunate tangent. Boy, you're really finding the tangents. First, the uh, Iron Man thing and literally thing. No, that's his Mm -hmm. boot line right there that's just lining up perfectly with that guy's pant leg. So it looks like it's going through, but it's not going through. It's a boot. I see it. Yep, okay. Uh, Yes, Sue can now make Reed invisible, but there's no mention of it in the scripting. Moreover, the action lines from Dragon Man's movement disappears from a region adjacent to Reed's head. It's as if Sue's larger head and larger hairdo were drawn in this spot, originally only to be replaced by Reed's smaller noggin. Finally, Reed's right shoulder looks odd and unusually large. Could it have been expanded after the fact to conceal Sue's side boobage that Jack originally drew. Yeah, I'm not buying it. I don't know.
1: I mean, I think it's wonky art. I think you're noticing some wonky art, um, which is fine because art is often wonky, Mm -hmm. but the next panel has Reed Richards with that rock in hand, stretching up and facing Mm -hmm. Dragon Man with it. So, I mean, it's possible, but I, I'm going to go with, I think it's just weird art.
0: Just a thought, you may now ridicule my silly suggestion. Okay.
1: Keep the silly suggestions coming.
0: Yeah. It's interesting to think about and look at. In any event, mm-hmm. I love this issue. In my opinion, this is the issue where Stan and Jack hit their stride. This is issue number one of a run that will remain famous for a very long time.
1: Mm-hmm. We found that 35. to be true. Yeah. Yep.
0: Until Ben Grimm tries to hide his side boobage, make ours marvel. <laughs> John, P.S. Did you happen to read the scathing letter from Gary Hornbach? Of Upton, Kentucky in this issue's letter column. Jeesh, He sure seems to prefer the distinguished competition. Whoa. No, I I don't actually read the letter pages. Maybe we should be just for fun. But that kind of seems like it derails the point of uh, just summarizing the stories, I guess.
1: Well, my, my thing with letters pages is that sometimes the letters pages takes twice as long to read as the issue itself. Yeah. Because it's a lot of really dense text, especially with these two le- 2 page letter pages. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of reading. And I just, I've got so many comics to read. <laughs> Although
0: it might help illuminate what people were thinking at the time about stuff. So that, but yeah, I'm not going to start now. But,
1: which I like that stuff when I know it, I like bringing it to the table. So you'd think I'd want to read more letters pages, but it's just, I don't know, it's time consuming.
0: The o- I'll just read this one sentence, and that probably sums up the entire letter. The only good trait you guys have is that you are definitely the best copiers in the business. Wow. Well, he's not necessarily wrong. I do think that was definitely a Marvel thing, was to uh, take an idea and twist it into a cool Marvel way, which is what they were really great at, which is why it worked. Mm-hmm. They took the expectation, and they twisted it.
1: All right. DC did its share of copying the other way, I think. Eventually. But I
0: couldn't give it a specific note. Well, examples. I think with the drama, they started realizing that that's what people
1: wanted. Yeah. All right. Um, next email. Make ours Marvel. John's prophecy. What? From John Morrissey. Okay. Dear detailers of dramatic deeds, for a lark, I just listened to a promotional trailer that you released for Make Ours Marvel on March 27th. Do you happen to remember how you signed off on the trailer? Mm. Of course you don't. It was a year and a half ago. Well, I'm here to tell you that John nearly displayed some clairvoyance. His sign-off was, so until Avengers Infinity War gets a spin-off Warlock and the Infinity <laughs> Watch TV show, make ours Marvel. Given all the MCU shows recently announced, you nearly got that right. <laughs> so until Michael correctly predicts the past.
0: That is never going to happen.
1: I cannot predict what I had for breakfast this morning.
0: <laughs> did, we, did we sign off a trailer with a fake thing
1: yeah i did oh. on, our, on our trailer um and yeah with the warlock and the affinity watch tv show oh and that's actually what inspired me to do it for like all of them
0: okay i had to watch that listen to that trailer forget i almost forgot we had one
1: it's out there we
0: trailed um okay constructive criticism or is there a facebooky thing or something uh go for it okay this is from brad Eberly, Mike, John, I love the show, but have noticed in the past month or two that there's an increasing frequency and intensity of noise. Okay, this is the one I was thinking of in the podcast. Okay, It sounds like there's a fan AC near one of your mics. There's often background noise of activity, off mic, cell phone notifications. And it sounds like one of you is using a headset, headphones, and a built-in mic that gets bumped around frequently. All this combines to occasionally make it hard to hear the person summarizing the books you've read. I noticed this most frequently the mic is talking, so it could be that John's mic is picking up background noise when he's being silent. I'm not sure if a noise gate would help, switching to dedicated microphone stand instead of a headset, if that's what you use, or if you could mute yourself when you're not talking. But I think it would be great it would greatly improve listenability. It's been a while since I listened to the early episodes, but I feel like this is a newer problem, not one that was always existed always existed has your recording setup equipment process changed i don't have experience in recording so my suggestions are very uninformed thank you for doing the show love your consent content. but i think he meant content yeah yes actually and he's the only one who wrote in which i'm kind of surprised but there was a brief period where i was having some issues because the original microphone i have was a cheapie and i one day went to go record the show with john and tried to plug it in, and I couldn't because it turned out the last time I unplugged it, the USB stayed inside the port. So mm. I was just like, wow, I have no microphone. So then I thought I would be a high roller and buy a really cool microphone, and there was two options, a less expensive one and a more expensive one, and I picked the less expensive one. So for like three shows, I was using this thing called a Snowball, which apparently picks up all the sound in the entire world. Uh, <laughs> and there was no like way to make it directional or mute there was no mute button or anything it was just a giant ball turns out later if i did more research that's actually a great microphone if you're trying to record a whole room or right. or like music with somebody in the same room or something but not so great for podcasting so finally i bit the bullet and invested in an even better microphone that now has mute and directional options and i don't think it picks up you know street noise when i'm talking i hope anyway
1: around that same time there did seem to be a sensitivity change in how much background noise I was picking up. Mm-hmm. And um, it took me a while to realize that I could – it was the air conditioner that I was picking up a lot more loudly. Oh, I know what it was. We got a new air conditioner uh, in my old apartment. Uh-huh. New air conditioner that made a different kind of noise, and my mic was just picking it up a lot more. So what I started doing was turning off the air conditioner before we recorded. and then It does not seem to be as big of a deal in our new apartment.
0: And the problem also is, is like, I can't hear – how horrible I sound until I hear it. Mm-hmm. Cause even on my end, it, cause you know, behind the scenes, we each have our own recording going so I can hear myself. But like, I don't know what John hears. And when we put it all together, sometimes it's like, Oh, I need to fix that. And it's too late now. because that episode went out, but
1: Oh, well, and I do have a process to take out background noise, which is usually pretty good, but it's not, it's not a perfect process. Yeah.
0: But anyway, thank you for pointing that out. It, it was bugging me too. And I hope I sound better now because I switched microphones a long time ago and I'm pretty sure this one's way cooler. Uh, what's it called? It's a Blue. Is that what it's called?
1: Blue? It's a Blue Yeti.
0: Yeah, it's a Yeti, right? The, the yeah. cylinder, cylindrical one?
1: That's the one I use. Yes,
0: it's a very nice one. It was more expensive, but it has, like, the ability to switch to, like, what kind of thing you're doing. It even has, like, specifically for a podcast button or a dial. And, you know, a mute button's nice, so works pretty good. And I still have the All Snowball right. if anybody wants to buy it for cheap for some reason, like guitar players out there or something. You can have yeah. it. I used it three times, $8,000.
1: <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, our next item is a Facebook message okay. from Dean Criswell. Uh-huh. Dean writes, hi guys. I listened to episode 73 and 76 today on kind of a long drive, really enjoyed both. And it certainly made the time go by quicker. Anyway, I wanted to comment on something from 73 at the end when you were giving your best and worst of the month, and I was surprised that you both had a v- fairly favorable view of the Giant Man story in Astonish 63 at the Wrecker. Personally, I thought it was much more meh than usual, and that's coming from someone who generally hasn't been a huge fan of the Ant-Man, Giant Man stories to begin with. I don't mention this just to be contrary, but rather to point out something that I thought was pretty interesting on the letters announcements page of that issue. Under announcements, there's an almost apologetic note, I'm assuming from Stan, Regarding the GM story in that issue, it reads, Can we confess something to you? We feel the record was kind of a weak Giant Man tale. We had originally scheduled another villain, a much more colorful one, but at the last minute we learned that a competitor had used a similar one, and so we decided to change everything. We promised to make up for it next-ish... He then goes on to praise Carl Burgess' tale on the char- take on the character and says we're all in for a real treat in issue 64. I found this interesting because it seemed very un-Stan-like. I mean, Stan's default mode is always to hype and to hype everything. So this is really out of character. Hmm. Also, I'm dying to know what competitor and what villain he was referring to.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's the part yeah, I want to know. Yeah, I don't I know.
1: know. Huh. Of course, we don't know what his idea was. Right, that's, there's, there's no so hints whatsoever, so... He says, it's probably DC, and as for the villain, we'll probably never know. Anyway, just thought I'd make you aware of this in case you don't have access to the letters pages when doing your reading. Those are a lot of fun in and of themselves. Great job on the shows, and looking forward to the next one. Take care, Dean.
0: Okay, that's two people who suggested we listen read the letters pages. I, feel, I say, like, if we get 28 more suggestions, we should do it.
1: Um, 128
0: more suggestions, I mean.
1: Yeah, 128 more suggestions would be good, or... You know, let that be something that listeners can contribute whenever they yeah. feel find something interesting. That's you know? better.
0: There you go. They'll be like our our personal assistants. They can go through all the letter pages, and if there's anything cool, they can email it to us, and we uh, don't and we'll talk it.
1: about it six months later. Yeah, I like it. We are trying to be better about that.
0: It. I am like racking my brain right now, trying to desperately figure out if there's any way possible we could figure out what villain they're talking about. But it really has no like. There's no clues.
1: We just have to see if there were any new villains. But there would be lots of new villains. But like anywhere from random one-offs to like major villains that never go away. Just lots of people are going to get introduced in comics around the time.
0: Yeah, it's too bad.
1: And that's even assuming that it's DC. It could be Archie. Oh, or Oh, gosh. Knows good what. point.
0: Yeah, I was thinking DC, but it could be something else.
1: What's next? All right. g- Tim Price is coming.
0: Uh, X-Men First Class? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I think we're just going to finish out September for this show, right? So we're, at, I think we're so, on yeah. September 28th right now. I'm with you, John. I really like this movie, but listening to the discussion, now I have tons of little problems with it. Oh, man. Yikes. A rewatch is overdue, but betting I'll still enjoy it. Good. Yeah. Don't listen to us. Still enjoy it. I like that too.
1: I like liking things you should too.
0: I like liking things also, but I also tear them apart here for some reason. All right. Watching... While watching the trailer, did anyone else think of X Men number 150, where Magneto sinks that Russian nuclear sub? You know,
1: mm-hmm. I didn't
0: think about that, but that's a good point. I do remember that story.
1: Yep. Uh, this is his last real act of terrorism before becoming good Magneto.
0: Yeah, they actually reference that story quite a few times when he's trying to be a good Magneto. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, remember that time you killed a sub? Okay, fine, I remember. Uh, people need to learn. Keep your subs away from the magnetic metal manipulator. Beast is one I'm torn on. Yes, I personally identify with him being smart, nervous, and shy, but I like the bombastic Beast from the Avengers comics a lot. Since this isn't the Avengers, I'm okay with the younger version, but yes, he should have used bigger words. Yeah.
1: I like the idea that the Beast, we know we find out later that all of this intense verbiage right now is a put-on. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that the Beast is so insecure that he puts on different personas and faces mm-hmm. trying to fit in. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, assuming it's all the same continuity, which we cannot assume. Uh, by, by the last stand, he's pretty bombastic beast again, kind of.
1: Oh, you know what? My brain totally went right back to the comics when you said beast is what I'm torn on. So movie beast is not comic beast and everything I just said <laughs> doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> well, that's a persona too. Shy, nervous, uh, You know, not embracing who he really is. Mm-hmm. Only a couple of X-Men movies left until the Beast changes his genetic genetics to cash in on a Grumpy Cat's – Wow, I totally ruined your joke. I'm sorry. Only a couple of X-Men movies left until the Beast changes his genetics to cash in on Grumpy Cat's fame. Make mine. Make ours Marvel.
1: I don't believe it. But he does turn into a cat in the like 2012 he era.
0: He absolutely does.
1: No, no that's, that's more Grant Morrison, isn't it?
0: Yes, it is. That's when they redid yeah. – they did all new X-Men or something like that. Mm-hmm. I read some of that.
1: Uh, I read the whole Grant Morrison run. I do not remember it because it was one of the first things I read when getting back into comics as an adult. They
0: had sword instead of shield and they went to space and right. Cyclops lost his power for some Who, reason.
1: Who's the uh, the green haired woman in, on sword?
0: I don't know her name, but I do remember her. She looked awesome. She looked awesome.
1: And I'm pretty sure she was gay. Uh, I don't remember her name. I don't know either. Ugh. Oh, well. Okay. Um, nearing the end of this episode's list of messages, we have Tim Price's... Email, I'm sorry, comment called I Dream of Dragon.
0: Well, you called it that. Yes. Yes.
1: All three issues feature the human torch. Talk about a torrid trio. I didn't mean for that to happen, but I'll embrace it. Yeah. Speaking of trios, how about that terrible trio? Really, how about they quietly (laughs) disappear? (laughs) They're too annoying to laugh at. I only just managed to get through that story. Yeesh. I hope they never come back. In fact, I'm not gonna look them up on Chronology Project right now. It's because it's I don't I don't want to see that they have more appearances. Yeah. Doctor Strange and the debate me news show. Oh yeah. Comparing that to, to modern internet culture was remarkably fun, but the story was kind of wonky, but that's probably why I enjoyed it. And it starts to establish Strange with that James Bond kind of contradiction, the famous secret agent where Strange is a celebrity urban legend. Ooh, he's totally an example of the Streisand effect long before the internet was a thing. Trying to keep himself under the radar, but inadvertently bringing more attention. What is the
0: Streisand effect? Is that Barbara Streisand?
1: Yeah, I think so, but I have no idea. I've heard the term before, mm. but I don't know what it's referring to.
0: Well, I mean, I get his James Bond analogy, so I guess it's the same idea, maybe. Maybe she like tries to stay under the radar, but everything she says is so ridiculous that she gets more attention all the time.
1: Yeah, it's a social phenomenon that occurs when an attempt to hide, remove, or censor information has the unintended consequence of further publicizing the information. Right. Often via the internet. Yeah. Yeah, there's a whole Wikipedia page on everything. Wow, I'll have to read that. I feel like I've heard this explained before.
0: So her desire to be antisocial or her desire to be under the radar puts her on the radar somehow, the way she goes about it, maybe.
1: Yeah, she has a residence in Malibu, California. And trying to suppress photos of it made more people want to get attention on it Uh, in 2003.
0: Don't bring it up. Don't tell people you hate being called, you know, squishy pants because they all start calling you squishy pants more.
1: Right, right, right. Um, Are you reading or am I reading?
0: I think you were reading.
1: I completely forgot. (laughs) FF versus Diablo and Dragon Man. Diablo has a pill for everything. So do I, man. So do I. Oh, wait. We're on them now. Finding superheroes, giving biographies on scientists, bringing statues to life, and most importantly, changing costumes. But seriously, bad message in this book with him throwing those pills at the FF. Don't take pills, kids.
0: I mean, unless it changes your clothes fast, why not? right but there's no side oh, effects
1: just different clothes mm-hmm. then you don't have those old clothes I mean,
0: anymore. Ant-Man took pills for a long time
1: right I first read Dragon Man in Power Pack 6 where the two girls in the family tried to adopt him and named him baby yes Dragon Man is baby I love that <laughs> before you laugh consider he wears a big purple diaper yep that's um that's definitely a thing he does wear a big purple diaper so maybe he is baby Anyways, Tim says, you're welcome. Likewise, when you guys said Sue was pulling a, hey, big guy, sun's going down, I was rolling. Thank you for that.
0: <laughs> that's where they got that from. You know it.
1: Right. Spider-Man versus the Beetle. Hey, look. Spidey's fighting another green-wearing villain. Every Marvel really, early Marvel, really missed an opportunity to form that villain team everyone would love. Gang <laughs> gang, green. Oh, that's Tim. good tim now i want i don't know whether to make you ashamed or to like love you forever (laughs) and have your babies one of the two
0: Uh, we'll figure it out together i want to make a list of all the green villains now just so i could get get someone to draw that for me
1: (laughs) (laughs) make sure the scorpion's in there oh yeah for sure the beatles early costume is so crazy alien looking and it's hard to see how it even works His five fingers are moving those three on the glove. Big metal canoes let him fly. How do you see when your helmet is a bucket and you can only rotate left or right with your fixed eye holes? By contrast, it looks super practical when fighting the torch, complete with fire hose fingers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's not fire hose fingers, man. They should have went that way.
1: But it just wasn't sold that way. As a general purpose supervillain, his second costume was much better.
0: Very. Agreed. Very much better, yeah.
1: Great episode, guys. Until a rabbit and a walrus are inspired by the trio's proud tradition to carry on as the terrible two, <laughs> make mine, make ours marvel. The time has come, the walrus said. The walrus said. Um, what's next? Uh, over in the email land, we have a John Morrissey email. Darwin needed to die? He did Poor September Darwin.
0: 30th. Hello gentlemen, I've just finished listening to Not Comic special number 17, wherein you reviewed X-Men first Class with the ever lovely Sarah Century, our permanent host there now. The three of you yep. had some concerns about the death of the only black character Darwin. It was suggested that he shouldn't have been the least likely to die given that his mutation is to evolve instantly to withstand nearly anything. I disagree. Darwin needed to die to convince the audience that Sebastian Shaw was one serious threat. When Shaw casually kills Darwin, the most invulnerable of the mutants, it shows the audience that Shaw is formidable as hell. Darwin's death dialed Shaw's Shaw's threat up to 11. Until a major movie studio makes an X-Men movie that Sarah loves, (laughs) make Cars Marvel. Well, I mean, that's a take, but there's the whole issue of, uh, you know... Him being the only character that's
1: not white. Right. Well, um, Angel. Well, Angel, right. And she became bad. So, here's here's an alternative take. Okay. What if they did a few extra special things with one of the characters to make them more endearing mm-hmm. and then kill that person so we have more of an emotional reaction? Yeah. Because, um, I mean, yes... Killing somebody who had the most powers, I get your logic. Doing that makes Shaw a threat. Killing somebody that you care about most on the team makes Shaw evil. And I think I like the second option better, but I can see your logic on the first option. If Darwin hadn't been the one black... I mean, if he hadn't been... you know, Uh They always kill the black guy. Right. And Darwin was the black guy. Right. Darwin was given all the powers not to die. So, like... Any other character had been the black guy. (laughs) Right.
0: And also I just feel, I mean, maybe you, yeah, you could argue that that shows how powerful he really is, but they don't really explain why that worked. So that bothered me more than anything. Not just that he was the only black guy and that's so cliche to take him out, but like they're going through all this trouble of telling us like he adapts to everything and then he just doesn't adapt for no reason. And it was like, huh, why? Why didn't he adapt? His body looked like it tried to adapt.
1: Yeah, I tried to. Yeah, you're right. That doesn't really explain. It's a visual depiction. You can come up with explanations, but they don't actually say.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: But yeah, like,
0: um, like I can adapt as long yeah. as I don't swallow it. I guess.
1: I guess. I guess the point. The point of the story is that like any of a number of small changes could have made that go down more smoothly. Yeah. Have Darwin played by Ron Weasley, and we're going to cheer his death.
0: And like you said, Angel is the only other uh, non-white character. I think. Mm-hmm. And she goes bad. So There's you that. kill
1: one, and you make the other
0: bad. Interesting.
1: All right, I think that wraps up September. I'm just looking through all of my sources to make sure I don't have anything else. Oh, I do think man. that
0: is it. We did not
1: make a dent. Uh, yeah, we did not make a dent. <laughs> <laughs> We're still last year.
0: October. We're gonna have to do this again.
1: We will. Maybe sooner. Maybe, maybe sooner. like maybe after our, our next. Movie episodes are getting so far away. It's like, I can't remember
0: what they're talking about, but that's all. Yeah, that's always yeah. been a problem, we've,
1: but we've got to catch up. So we'll, we'll try to do that. All right. Well, um, if you liked this email episode and you want to send your emails, um, Mike, they can do an email address or they can do an easier way. What are those two things?
0: They can go to makearsmarvel.com and fill out the form that says contact us. Mm-hmm. Or they could just write directly to podcast at make Either one or, or like, like Tim, you can
1: just comment
0: on the show itself on the website yes. and we'll get that too.
1: Um, there have been a couple of iTunes reviews left since our last mailbag, but they're later in the um, run. And in order to keep our place in the list of feedback, we keep everything sorted by date. So we'll read those later.
0: But however, that is, yeah, go ahead. That is we don't appreciate them. So go ahead and add more while you're waiting for more of these to come out. <laughs> Definitely.
1: There have been 44 ratings Uh on the show. It looks like one person said three stars and the rest said five. Hmm. So we love you. We love that.
0: Yes. Our average is still five.
1: Our average is still five. Six iTunes reviews is great. We always like more. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I guess that's it.
0: That's it. I don't know if we do an until or anything on these. We just probably say goodbye. We just
1: say, yeah, we just say until next time, goodbye. Okay, (laughs) until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.